Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm really excited. I have my friend, Dr. Matt Champagne. Um, Matt, why don't you first of all, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll go on all the tangents we can find. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for the invite, Jeff. Um, I guess my mission has been for the last 30 years to rid the world of annoying and poorly designed surveys. And as you can see, mission accomplished, right? Um, actually, it's far worse now than it's ever been. Um, you know, so that's that's a consideration. But uh, I talk about doing surveys at all stages of the of the customer journey. So my mission is also to help people keep their customers forever. So I merge these two using surveys uh, to improve the world, but using surveys to engage your own customers to you know, create that gravitational pull on them. Uh, so that's been my main interest all these years. I love it. And and for the record, Matt and I have been going back and forth. This is the first time we're actually meeting face to face, but I've been a fan of his for a while and I, I would love to promote him. Now, the theme of our conversation is building authentic relationships. And I immediately see this as, as going to be a very powerful one because my question is, how do you build an authentic relationship if you don't know what the other person wants? Is so that a fair true. comment? Yeah. And, you know, we hear this from companies all the time that, hey, you're important. You're number one. You know, they know it take, costs far more to attract and uh, enroll a new customer than to keep the ones that they have. But they do so precious little for us. Um, and I'm, of course, focus on the survey side. And it's just frustrating, you know, that you get these surveys uh, to say, hey, you know, Jeff, please take 10 minutes of your time to help us improve our products and services. It's like, no, no, I, I'm the guy who could help your company. Like, I've seen what you could improve. I can tell you what I like best. I could really help you build your business. I could, I want you to stick around if you'd only ask me. But we're just so rarely asked. Maybe that annual survey or that, you know, hey, please refer us to a friend. It, it's just not uh, sufficient. I love it. And, and by the way, this is one of my favorite areas is the customer journey. You know, one of the things I, I set out on this podcast series to f focus on networking, but the reality is if you focus on your customers and the customer journey, that I think can have a big impact on a company. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And and that's what we're we're waiting for. You know, as customers, clients, members, we're waiting for us to get, you know, the benefits that come with this, but it's not. And we all know that, right? Because if you're with a company, if you've if you've already been with them a year, you see the sales coming up now. Uh it's the end of the year sales, and the new people get the deals. And we're always like, Hey, can I get that half off sale? Can I get that? you know, for a dollar only? And they're like, oh, no, no, it, we already got you. You're a member, so you pay the full price. We only give the, the discounts to the new people. And it's just so frustrating because we want to stay with that person, but they're almost driving us away. Hey, go go to the competitor so they can give you the discount. And then maybe a year from now, we'll give you the discount to come back to us. Just not the way things should be, in my opinion. Yeah, to me, that just feels like a really backwards way of doing things. And you know, we can quote statistics all day long. I think it's fair to say, you know, it's cheaper to get an existing customer or member to do something than it is to find a new one. Um, 
now I love that you said you've been working for 30 years to end bad, bad polls and surveys. And I think um, one of my other friends is his mission is to end bad presentations. And he, he likes to say, I haven't succeeded yet. And I'm like, good point. So exactly. let's talk about good surveys versus bad, because I think, um, and, and I'm going to lay my little bias out front so you can debunk it or you can agree with me, whatever fits your world. Um, but I truly believe that the power of having a solid relationship with a customer is good business. And I think a lot of people think it's too expensive or too time consuming. Um, what are some of the things you see that make you recoil in horror when you see surveys? Because I'm sure you've seen the worst. Uh, I have so much so that I wrote a book in 2014. Uh, it's called The Survey Playbook, uh, which I'm, I'm proud of. It's a book that is used by professors at universities to teach graduate students how to write surveys. It's, it's on the desks of hundreds of companies because it lays out exactly the right way to do a survey. And by right, I mean psychometrically sound. And that's the problem is that most people don't realize what goes into creating a survey. There's mathematics, there's psychometrics. Uh, there's a very specific way of matching response scales and the anchors to the stem and, and all this sort of jargon. Uh, so I kind of lay it out in this book, the 25 things that every survey fails at. And if you can just not do those things, you'd be able to get accurate, meaningful data. So that's what the book is about. It's just after having reviewed, I've now reviewed more than 9,000 surveys, quizzes, assessments over the 30 years, can literally count on two hands the number of those surveys that I said, yes, this is great. This is gonna give you high response rate. The results will be interpretable and meaningful and it's engaging to your audience. Almost never happens. And yeah. that was the frustration. Like. Why can't everyone see what I see, which isn't like any secret? It, it's just it's just one of those things. It's it's a unique skill uh, that most people don't have because it's so easy to create a survey, but it's so easier to create a bad survey. Well, and I think companies like SurveyMonkey, you kind of bring it down to the common denominator, right? It's not Survey Genius, it's SurveyMonkey. Um, that's right. And I even talked to the folks years ago at SurveyMonkey because their advice is so bad. It's the way they structure how you create a survey is exactly how you would not do it. And, and I asked them, like, at the time they had this feature, it's like the monkey guru or something. It's like the expert opinion. I was reading their advice saying, wow, this is really bad. Like, not Matt Champagne saying so, but like a psychological measurement person. And so I asked them at the time, like, who is this guru, the expert? And somebody inside said, it's the next person that walks through our door that gets hired. <laughs> that's our, and I was like, that's what it looks like because just it, you're given so much bad advice of how to structure the scales and the response uh, scales. Um, we can do far better. And uh, that's what my book started to do years ago. And I continue to review and critique people's surveys, just pointing them in the right direction of how to get deep, meaningful results. I, I love it. And I think, one of the things I've seen, and, and by the way, I had a company I did business with for a long time. They they actually, Matt, they asked me for an hour of my time for a phone survey, and they offered me a $10 Amazon gift card. And I was offended. And I actually, I'm not proud of this, but I responded and I said, you wasted $10 worth of my life with this email. 
and I was like, wow, how nice of me to donate an hour of my time to, you know, a Fortune 500. Um, I'm sure you need it more than my kids do. And they didn't get my sarcasm. <laughs> we we asked this question dating back to 1999. We did our first survey of people that create surveys. And we asked them, what's the best way to get high response rates? What's the worst? Now, this is at the dawn of World Wide Web and, and such. Back then, 1999, they said, the worst way to get responses is a uh, lottery. Please fill out this survey to be entered in a drawing. In 2000, we asked, they said the worst way, a lottery. 2001, same answer. We stopped asking the question because obviously doing a lottery is the worst way to get anybody to respond. Second worst is giving them money because <laughs> that's not what I want. This isn't a transaction, but to me, a survey is a conversation with your best people, your clients, your members, your students, to learn from them and then to share the results with them so that they help you in the future. It's a, it's a conversation to, to pay somebody 10 bucks. First off is insulting, of course, but then it's For just so hour, transactional. I'm sorry. For an hour, no less. <laughs> yeah. That, that might have to go in my next book as, as one of the, the worst examples. Uh, but a, a good, bad example is a friend of mine who's a prolific author. He got a survey from Amazon. And he's like, yes, I'm the guy that could help you. I've written with my colleagues more than 100 books. So he took an hour of his time and answered the questions, You know, gave them advice and stuff. He hit submit and back came the automated response. Thank you, valued reader. And he's like, oh my gosh, I've been had. Like they didn't care. They, they didn't know who I was and they took my advice. I'll never hear from them again, which he didn't. It just, it just left such a bad taste in his mouth. Multiply that by millions of us who all have a bad taste in their mouth from somebody asking for ten, uh, for an hour of their time, or take ten minutes of your time to help us improve. You know, we we don't have time for that. We never did, and we have far less time today. Well, and, and honestly, that's you know, I'm an expert in a few fields. I know you're an ex expert in many fields. Um, I'd happily donate my time if I knew it was going to make a difference. But when it's a transaction like that, you know, you've commoditized my opinion and basically said, you're not a valued member, you're member number, whatever. Exactly. And we have found, so money is bad. The lottery is even worse. The best way, what people want, the what's in it for me is results, is, is insider knowledge. And that's what I teach all the time is if I'm going to survey my members or clients or even prospects, I'll tell them, look, I need 10 minutes of your time, 10 minutes on planet Earth, you will never get back. But if you'll do this, I will give to you something you can't get anywhere else. I will share with you the results of what other professionals just like you said about this important topic. And then we do it. So they respond just a couple of questions, never more than three, just we're having a conversation. So I don't ask you everything. I ask you just a couple. They respond. And then we do what we call close the loop. We share some nuggets of results to prove to them that they were heard. And then we reach out again. Hey, could you answer a couple more questions? Sure, Matt. And then we share some results. And you keep this up and you will find over and over again that response rate goes up. People think I'm faking the data because they're like, don't people get survey fatigue? Like, 
No, not if you're giving them exactly what they want. You're proving their voice was heard. You're showing them how you're making a difference and you're showing them how they compare to others. That's the psychology. That's what people will take time to fill out your survey if you can give them that. Well, and, and I love the reciprocity of it. You know, I'm asking your opinion and now I'm giving you something in return. Um, now, my favorite one, I actually had a company, they flew me down um, to California. They put me up at a five-star hotel and they spent two days asking me questions. And like you said, I got to be the kid in the candy store. You know, I was behind the scenes. I was meeting their technicians. Um, that was an amazing experience. And, you know, it was funny because they were like, well, we'll pay you for your time. And I'm like, no, no, no. You, my compensation is I got to stick my head in the corners where your technicians hang out. And I got to see, you know, they, they literally taught us their their um, road mapping process. And, and they taught us how to, you know, run effective meaning. Like they taught us all these things. And I was like, no offense, but you can't afford two hours of two days of my time. But for an all-inclusive trip to California and a chance to nerd out in Silicon Valley, I would have paid a big number to be there. Yes, that's such a great point. Both because that was what you valued. I, I tell people the Rule number one in psychology, people are different. So <laughs> when we ask them for their time to answer some questions, we give them choices. Like, would you like this or that? Or yeah. we can, you know, we can uh, give you, in your case, that's exactly, you know, what you valued. So we tell people, we'll give you results, share those with you, because we already know ahead of time, that's what they wanted. If, if they're professionals in a particular organization or they're entrepreneurs in this area. Wouldn't you want to know what other entrepreneurs are doing, you know, in the, in the following year, we'll, we'll share that all with you. Yeah. And then when they see it happen, you know, then they want to respond again and again. So you had a great experience and that's, that's the, the, you know, the mental feeling, you know, I want people to have when they answer my questions is that, Hey, how can I help you again? Yeah. That's what I'm going for. I love it. And just to be clear, you don't have to fly people down to California, all expenses paid. Um, but just, you know, I, I'm guessing there's a survey on, you know, how would you like to share your opinion? How would you like to be rewarded for it? Like, you know, again, ask, right? That's right. I mean, even the lottery, I, I mean, I, I keep bringing it up because it's still here. I mean, 25 <laughs> years ago, we knew it was a bad idea, yet I still open up my email. I still get those. Uh, it's just no thought as to what it, people are different like maybe i don't want that particular gift you know some uh electronic device or, or whatever like give me a choice so that's that's number one but of course make the results the primary choice because you're showing people what you did with it uh we did this uh survey for the for the cruise lines where we did it with their travel agents travel agents wanted to know what other travel agents were doing um, so th those are the easiest ways to connect, to give people what they can do to help their businesses and learn from others just like them. And, and I think that's sadly lost, you know, it's like, well, I need the feedback. Well, that's nice, but what are you willing to do to entice me to give it to you? That's right. The now, what's in it for, for the, me. For the record, Matt, my, my wife does, um, 
can't remember the company. Is it Ipso Read or something? She does these surveys to accumulate points, and then she gets gift cards. Um, she knows that's a transaction, and she's okay with it. But she gets to pick, and, and I love the lottery sort of element. Um, she picks the surveys she does, and she picks the prizes she gets. Now, in her case, she doesn't really care about the outcome of the survey. She doesn't want the insights. But if I was going to do it, keep your gift card. Give me the insights. Yes, exactly. But the, but the choice is there. And that's, again, we have very little time for this. Um, I, and I ask people when I do webinars and trainings, one of the questions I ask them is, how many surveys have you completed in the last week? Think back a week of how many surveys were you asked, you know, for your opinion or your advice, and then you filled them out and completed them. And some people really can't think back. I said, well, think about it. Think about you went to the Kroger or Publix and there's the little survey at the bottom of the receipt. You go up and pay for your bagel or coffee. There's the little smiley faces on the, on the checkout. Uh, the little pop-up things that come on the website. You're on the phone with tech support. Hey, stay afterwards and answer a survey. And people don't realize that on average, this is what the stats say, we are asked nine times per day for our feedback in all these manners, websites we visit in our inbox, but they just go right past us. And people are like, really, nine? And then they start thinking about it. They're like, oh, yeah, I guess that. So when I ask people, how many have you filled out the last week? The most popular answer is one or two. Next most popular answer, zero. And I say nine times seven days, that's 63 times you were asked for your feedback. And nearly everyone, 90% said zero, one, or two. <laughs> so essentially, 97% of all surveys are ignored. Completely and I think, wow, forgettable, right? Think of the catastrophic amount of money that is spent. Like every one of those surveys that you are just ignoring had a team behind it. They thought of the questions, they put it on the platform, they they publicized. I would love to get a count of the billions of dollars wasted every year from those 97% of surveys that everybody ignores. Why can't everybody be in that 3%? And that's what I teach them. I teach everyone, here's how you will be in the 3%. So easy. I love it. Now, I'm not entirely sure I should admit this on a recording, but um, when I go through self-checkout, um, I like to mess with whoever's tallying the results. So I always give it a one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And, and my wife's like, that's mean. And I'm like, what? I'm I'm telling the self-checkout I'm hurting its feelings. It's like, I figure somebody's got to do some work running through these numbers, right? You know, so why not give them an outlier or two that they can scratch their head over and go, I wonder why he gave us a one. <laughs> Okay, so you just demonstrated two or three points right there. So when you create surveys, there are actually nine principles involved. So I call them the nine principles of feedback. And you've just mentioned a couple there. You, you always want to ask the right questions in the right way at the right time. Asking somebody when they're walking out the door after checkout is not the best time to ask people. You dropped a one in there or an unhappy face. That actually yeah. impacts somebody. And this is what these companies don't understand. Like you ask the wrong question at the wrong time and people give all response. It, it was or was not the correct response. This has actual financial impacts on people. So things like the net promoter score, which is the most yeah. heinous measure ever created. It has destroyed more people 
than any other survey. That's the one that says, would you recommend us on a zero to 10 scale? Yeah. Complete psychometric garbage. And everybody that knows psychometrics knows that's the case. The results are uninterpretable. Yet those results are used for raises and promotions. And Share that's why prices. people, when they ask you to fill out a survey, they say, please give me a 10. Can, can you give me a 10? If you can't give me a 10, don't give me anything. Because they know they're going to be harmed because that yeah. survey was was made by simply somebody who didn't know how to create surveys. And it's now, it's you know caught fire about 15 years ago, and now there's no stopping it. It's, it's everywhere, unfortunately. Well, if you want a little insight into it, I, I highly recommend Fred Reichelt has a book called Winning on Purpose. And he actually talks about his baby, the net promoter score, and what he wished it would have been, not what it became. And it's it's an inch. I won't get you to go into that here, but it was an aha moment that you know you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong results. Yep. And I talked to those people. Gosh, right. I mean, eighteen years ago. I mean, it was it was near the start of this. And I and and the net promoter score. People said, "Oh, well, there's these workarounds." I'm like, "But you didn't tell anybody what the workarounds. I know what the workaround is, but nobody." uses it. So as it's used, which is nine and 10 is, you know, a positive thing and seven and eight is a, a neutral thing. The results are, are uninterpretable. And we did a study one time, we gathered more than 600,000 responses from the net promoter score. We only asked the people that gave an eight, seven or an eight, because on the scale, that's bad because it, yep. it, it counts as a neutral. And we asked them, well, why did you give an eight? And they said, well, I was really happy. I, I, I would recommend them eight. I'm like, well, why didn't you put a 10? Well, that's perfection. Only God gets a 10. Well, why not a nine? Well, that's almost perfection. I never give nines. Eight yeah. is the highest I give. I love your product, eight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you just gave that person a demotion. Yeah. Uh, but when we did this, of that 600,000 uh, responses, there was a solid uh, proportion that did this. Rule number one of psychology, people are different. And if you don't tell people what a seven or an eight is, they pick it thinking they're helping you. That's just one of the reasons that survey is uh, is a huge, <laughs> huge problem. And, and I mean, honestly, most people would give God a nine because, you know, it was rainy when I wanted it to be sunny. Like, if you think about it, there's that you can't predict people's biases. Is that fair? Yeah, it, it's I mean. Psychologists have been at it now 120, 130 years. Like we, we still don't have more than a handful of like really solid stimulus response, you know, uh, yeah. classical conditioning. I mean, there's not a whole lot of things that we really have nailed down. Um, it just depends on, on so many factors. But we do know if you ask the right question in the right way, people will tell you what's on their mind. And that's what I tell people, it's like, if, if we had unlimited resources, you would sit down with each customer, student, member, uh, and, and ask them a question, and they would respond. And then you would follow up, and they would respond. And then you dig a little deeper, and you would really get to know what's in their head. That's what you want. You want to know what's in their head, exactly what they're thinking. But we don't have unlimited time and responses. So we send them to a survey, and we hope them clicking on these buttons is the same thing, but it's not, it's not even close, but it can be if you ask the right questions in the right way, structure them, make it a conversation so that you're continuing to follow up and dig deeper. 
you really know, you can really get in, it's like an x-ray vision into somebody's head, but it's only because you're prompting them and them following up. Then you truly know. Otherwise, just throwing out an annual survey or, uh, you know, check out smiley face. I mean, <laughs> you, you might as well do nothing than to get misinformation, which is what is yeah. generated much of the time. That's a, a fascinating, I, I've never thought about surveys in that detail. I mean, I know they're important. Um, it just fascinates me how this is probably a billion dollar industry. And you're telling me something like 90% of the results are garbage. And, and we all know it, right? Because I just said, if you <laughs> ask, we go, yay, well done. Then that's the thing. So when you show people, hey, 97% of surveys are ignored. And then you ask people, what do you think of the survey? Oh, it's garbage and I don't have time for it. Then you turn around and you ask the people who made the survey and they're like, oh, not mine. Mine is a great survey. I'm like, well, you're one of the 97%, obviously, but it's, and it's really some tough love I have to give clients because I have told countless clients, I can't interpret the results of this survey. The questions or structured in such a way, I, I can't tell you what this data means, or you didn't get enough responses, which is a huge uh, issue, w yeah. whether it's Facebook polls or LinkedIn polls or uh, entrepreneurs sending surveys to their list. There's just so few people that respond that it's not representative. So, yeah. and you'll tell people that and they're like, well, it's all the data I have. So we're going to take action on it. And I'm like, what? What? No, that it's not what your clients thought. You just heard from the happy people or the angry people. Yeah. The people you really wanted to hear from never responded. So again, just to me, it's just catastrophic error here to, you know, put out a, a, a survey, only have a few people respond and then take action on what your people are not saying as a group. It's just such a mistake. All right. Well, we've talked about the 97%. Um, I have a follow-up question, then I want to talk about the 3%. Um, who is generally the source of these bad surveys? Is it marketing? Is it sales? Is it the owner? Like when you're seeing these horror stories where you recoil and, you know, probably you're brought in to consult, um, what department's usually driving this? And you, you mentioned the, the next person who walks in the door. So I'm going to add a fourth category, the unpaid intern. Uh, where do these questions come from? It, it, well, it, it's just, it's, I've never really thought about it, but now that you've met, you've asked it, it's, it's really from every area. It's because I've, I've talked to people that said, Oh, I have an MBA. I know this, like I'm knowledgeable. And then, they've given me their survey to review, 125 items. And I'm like, I, I remember telling one, I mean, a company everybody would know uh, to review that 125 item survey. And I said, you know, I'd just like to suggest we cut a few down. Could I remember the, the woman telling me, I will take you to the mat if you take one question off this survey. <laughs> and I was Hello. like, okay, <laughs> so you have that going on. But then on the other hand, you have just, entrepreneurs, you just have uh, everyday folks who are just trying to get a sense of, of things and they go to SurveyMonkey or Question Pro or any of the other 125 some free or, or cheap tools, but they're just copying what they see. And so yeah. I'll make a, a, a topic right here, AI, 
because I keep seeing it, people are using chat GBT to write their surveys. And I'm just like in horror because I'm like, chat GBT simply regurgitates everything that's been done prior. So when you ask it a question, it go it reaches back to all the 97% of surveys we're all ignoring and we all hate. And then it says, here you go. Here's the yep. instructions. Here's the questions. And I'm looking at this like going, oh my gosh, this is going to get so bad in the short term until we teach AI how to grab the 3% only and then use that. But I, I've seen people giving webinars like, here's how I generated surveys with AI. And I'm like, it's the same mistakes we've been making since I started my career in the 90s. Mm -hmm. It's just more amplified, um, you know, and, and I, my little rant about AI garbage in garbage out, if you don't know what you're doing. And like you said, it's pulling the 97% that sounds like you so it's going to bring you more nonsense, whereas if you actually know what you're doing, and you you are that 3%, it can help you polish that 3%. But it all depends on the person behind the keyboard. And that's, you know, I see a lot of 18 year old AI experts and I'm like, call me when you got some gray hair because, you know, expertise is earned. It's not self-declared. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I would say I've, I've got a few of those up here. <laughs> I've earned them all and I've shaved them all off. But um, now let's talk about the 3% because I, I think this is where people maybe don't know what they don't know and therefore the 97% is, you know, kind of a dangerous addiction. Um, what's the difference in terms of outcomes, results, quality of data by understanding, you know, hiring Dr. Matt and saying, hey, come on in and look at this. What does that mean for a business? It's getting, you know, so everything that I've done, every time I review a survey and modify it, I'm only looking at three things. I want to know, is the result, is this accurate data? Are these true insights? Is this really what your people are thinking? Because you can't see it. And you just have to take, you know, as a leap of faith that what they put on this uh, form is what they truly think. So unless the form is written in a way that they clearly understand, they know what each anchor means, and everyone's interpreting it the same way, that's what goes into the survey construction. So I look at, are the results accurate and interpretable? I look at, is this have the maximum response rate? Is the number of people that responded, is this truly representative of their audience? And then third, I want it to be engaging and enjoyable. I want people to say, hey, what, can I fill out another survey? And people yeah. laugh, but that's what happens. And I've seen this when I talk about the uh, the cruise lines, that's what the travel agent said. We were, we surveyed them for eight weeks. And on week nine, the, the project was over. Week nine, we get all this email from travel agents. Hey, where's the survey? Did, did, did we go in my spam folder? Did you, you forget me? And I had to tell them, well, we're done. And, and then we asked them afterwards, like, well, would you, you know, would you fill it out again? 98.9% said they enjoyed the experience of filling out eight surveys. And people are like, How? come on, nobody likes filling out a survey, let alone 98.9. But each time we were asking questions important to them, sharing the results, which we've talked about, that's such a huge part of it. 
showing them what others have done, why would they not continue it? No, nobody leaves a great conversation. Yeah. And that's what you want to build with your people, a great conversation that they're just focused, waiting. When is the next survey from Jeff coming? That's what I want for everybody. <laughs> I love that. And I think that's so missed. It, it, it's that exchange. You know, I give you my input. And, and by the way, a good I'm going to guess I do a lot of journaling and I'm going to guess a good survey should feel almost like a journal where you're sharing your thoughts and just by completing it, you're, you're rethinking how you think about that issue. But then when you get the feedback and you go, Oh, I'm an outlier. I'm in the bottom 1%. I better do something different or, Hey, I'm at the top 1%. Didn't know that. Yep. That's right. And uh, we did a lot of business during the COVID period because uh, with chiropractors and with uh, travel agents, with, uh, Dennis, people that, you know, needed to bring their people back, you know, they had the doors were shut. And so it was just prolific, the number of surveys that we did during that time, because everyone realized how important it is. How do we bring these people back? How do we keep them focused on us? How do we keep their business uh, membership surveys? How do we get them to renew? And you do it through these conversations because people feel, oh, I'm a part of this. Like I would not leave because I'm getting so much out of, out of this membership. Nobody wants the annual survey. You know, the, here's the annual membership survey and we get the results a couple of months later. Um, it, that doesn't make you feel like a part of the organization. And that's why, like my friend, the prolific author was turned off by what Amazon did. But if they would have done it the right way and say, we recognize you, Jeff, you are the prolific yeah. author. You're an important part of our community. We'd like to ask you some questions to help us, but we'll share with you what other authors said. How important would that be to you to know where others stand on these issues? He'd be like, bring it oh, on. Yeah. He would have he would have spent his six, seven hours over the course of some weeks or months uh, learning from other pros just like himself. Well, and, and again, I, I love the idea that a survey done well builds community builds that relationship whereas a survey done wrong sadly 97 percent um it actually alienates it pushes people away so uh, i'm a little shocked to to believe and hear that 97 percent of the in efforts in the survey world you'd be literally better off doing nothing is that an exaggeration uh no not a lot of cases because if what you're getting is misinformation you could actually do something very dangerous. You could take a direction. So I always give a silly example of a, you know, a professor standing in front of the classroom and she says, hey, I'm listening. I'm looking for feedback. Does anyone have any feedback? And there's 20 students and one student raises his hand and says, yeah, this Thursday class doesn't fit my schedule. Can we meet Saturday at 8 a.m.? And the teacher yeah. says, I heard you. Next week, let's meet at Saturday at 8 a.m. And of course, she shows up next Saturday and it's her and the other student, one student. Yeah, it says, right, because you because five percent of your audience said they wanted to be on Saturdays, but it was the people you heard from. Well, I heard from this five percent. So we took action. Well, you just alienated the other 95 who couldn't make that time. Silly yeah. example, but not so silly when other when companies are getting five percent or 10 percent response rates. And then taking action, 
not knowing what the other 90% think. Well, and, and honestly, I, I suspect a lot of people, they're rewarding their people on the wrong metrics. You know, how many people responded, you know, the, the net promoter score again, um, how many people are raving fans and decided we're as good as God versus how many people who think we're evil like the devil? Um, you're forgetting all those people who think you're okay. Yeah, and that's the ones you want to hear from. Uh, we've had um, a lot of projects funded over the years from the Department of Education, National Science Foundation, Department of Energy. So we've been able to do some basic research and be able to manipulate things and such. And uh, one of the studies we did was uh, hearing from those we didn't hear from. And this is years ago. Uh, we would do a survey and say if there were 30% who responded, we would reach out to the 70% and ask that this, this some years ago, people were a little less, uh, you know, skeptical of surveys. And we'd ask them, hey, why didn't you respond to that survey? And we would get this conversation going with them through other means. And that's what we learned, that the people you really need to hear from are the ones who didn't respond. And of course, we kind of know that intuitively. People that respond are either really happy or really angry. Uh, when you ask the people in the middle, it's hard to determine which of these they are, but they have really important uh, stuff to tell you. You just didn't ask them in a way that they felt included or felt like what they had to say was important, uh, so they didn't respond. But you need to hear from them. So if you are only hearing from 10 or 15 percent, um, you, you need to do better because you might be missing what you know what your audience is really saying. I love it. Now, I assume the number one answer you could give me here is call Dr. Matt. But um, for those listening who maybe are just starting out, what are a couple of things they could do to improve their surveys without throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Sure. Um, well, first thing I'd say is go get a copy of the survey playbook. Grab a Kindle copy if you want, a paperback. Uh, but I'll tell you just a couple of lessons from within there. And it's, everything is simple. It's not like this is really complicated stuff or or whatever. And once I say it, people are like, oh, well, obviously. So one of the obviously's is um, asking questions that are relevant or that people want to hear from. So you think of these surveys that we get and they say, like, question one, what's your name? <laughs> you know, or, <laughs> or question two, what's your email? You know, the email we just sent this to. People don't want to be asked questions that they think you should already know the answers. You know, it, it's yeah. like, again, you're wasting our time. And so you just give people just a bad feeling right off the bat and they leave. So many people start filling out a survey and they, they vanish because the questions seem irrelevant. They seem like questions that you should already know the answers. I, I get surveys from um, people that I've bought online products, digital project uh, products. And I have one guy who I've bought a lot of his stuff, you know, probably most of his courses I've bought. I get a survey from uh, this individual saying, okay, uh, which of these courses have you bought from me? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I've bought, uh, you don't know me? Like, I, I'm the guy I'm that is- Right, like, why would you do that to your to your people? These are the ones that have paid you money, and then you ask them questions like, well, tell me again, what was it you bought from me? It's It's just insulting, and so, there's some clear things you don't want to do. And 
and I, I don't even know why this has to be said because it seems pretty obvious, but look at the surveys that you get. See how many questions are like, wh why don't they know this? Or this doesn't seem relevant or the choices I wanna pick aren't even here. So right from the get go, there's some things, easy, easy fixes that you can do to draw people in and then to let them know that it's important, not just, hey, take 10 minutes of your time to help us improve. I love it. Now, this was a, an amazingly fun conversation. And um, I just want to point out that this is a, an aspect of relationship building. Um, Matt, you're the expert at being Dr. Champagne. Um, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't asked yet? Oh, gosh. Well, we could have gone deep into the weeds. I know you have a weeds uh, 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 background there because we haven't talked about, you know, the structure of the response scales and making sure you have proper anchors on them. There we go. Now we're getting into the weeds uh, because there's so many detailed uh, bits of this. If you really, truly want to know, again, you're trying to make visible the invisible and it's not easy. Um, and just asking a question and and hoping you get a good response. Uh, there's just a lot more to it. it. Takes a little bit of time, but it's so worth it to really understand your people. If you really truly wanna keep your customers forever, you can do it through survey, amazingly enough, uh, if done the right way. It just makes them feel like they're a part of your organization. They'll thank you for asking them to help you. Love it. Now, the most important question, I think, for anybody who's watched all the way through, I'm guessing they're they're getting some value. Um, how can people connect with you and, and maybe find a way to work with you? Oh, absolutely. Thanks for asking. Uh, LinkedIn is where uh, I, I don't really, I'm not on any other social media except LinkedIn. I try to get there pretty often. So just look up Matt Champagne on LinkedIn. Uh, connect us there. And let me know if you have any questions, uh, any issues with your own surveys, want to dig a little deeper, and we can talk there and and uh, take it from there. Uh, I'm at MatthewChampagne.com, but I don't do a whole lot with the uh, website except a little uh, promotional thing. But get a hold of me on LinkedIn, and we'll have a, a great conversation there. I love it. And I'll put links to your site and your, your LinkedIn. Um, I'm also going to put a link to your book because um, I feel like that's a good place for people to start. Um, my advice is always read the book. And if you like it, then pay the guy that wrote the book to do the thing you want solved. Um, and for the record, please don't self-regulate, don't self-medicate, don't try to do this yourself. Uh, Matt's been doing this, you said 30 years? Uh, 30 years. And uh, I just got a great compliment last week. I did a talk like this for a company called uh, Lucian. I'll give them a little shout out here. It was funny. They bought my book. They've given it to their team. Every time they do a survey, they need to follow the book. And they said, they told me, Matt, your name has become a verb at our company. <laughs> when somebody talks about doing a survey, the boss will say, make sure you champagne it. <laughs> what he means is go back to the book and make sure that you're not making you know, the, the, the typical errors that you might have in, you know, in most surveys, correct all that. It's as simple as that. Correct those. And you'll be one of those 3% that people pay attention to. Love it. Well, I'm going to second the champagne analogy and just say, you know, um, life's too short to dr drink cheap crap. So drink the champagne. <laughs> 
Um, and yeah, definitely reach out. I think Matt's uh, Matt and I have had a great time. And I just want to shout out to Dr. Cialdini because his work with influence is what first brought Matt and I together. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, nod to the the other expert that's unofficially in the room with us today. So Matt, um, I want to thank you for hanging out with me and sharing your amazing insight on surveys. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate the the invite.